0: Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Show Me Show podcast for episode nine. Um, Today is Sunday, March 25th. Or March 27th, I'm stupid. And... This, the Elite Eight is almost complete. Today is the final day of the Elite Eight. Two more games on the day currently, Washington, Kansas, Miami, out of the Midwest region. Uh, after that, later we got North Carolina versus St. Peter's. So by the time this comes out, these games will be complete, obviously, and the final four will be set. Unfortunately, no Arizona. Um, as they, they were eliminated the other night by the Houston Cougars. And that elite defense that sent them to the elite eight. Um, very sad. Um, I, I forgot to introduce, I am co-host Luke Newhouse with my other co-host cam. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, here we are again, getting set for the final four next weekend and another week of sports.
1: Yeah. And, uh, like you said, uh, Houston advanced to the elite eight after taking out the cats, but, uh, they fell to the other Cats, Villanova. So Villanova has punched their ticket to the Final Four, and NOLA, New Orleans, and the Dukies as well have also punched their ticket. Coach K's first time ever winning the West Bracket, and he will advance to another Final Four. I think, what is it? Is it his 14th Final Four? 13th. 13th Final Four? Yeah. Very sad. There was two great opportunities for this not to take place with both uh, Michigan State and Texas Tech, and the must bus honestly just never got started. They were completely just, like, never in control of that game. Duke controlled it the whole way through, and they never really had a shot. But Texas Tech did. You know, they – Texas Tech lost that game due to a 7 one or 8-1 run by Duke at the in the final, like, minute and a half of the game.
0: Yeah, you couldn't miss. They just yeah, they made every single shot.
1: That's what I was saying when I was watching that game, like, oh, my God, they just literally can't miss right now. And it wasn't just right now, right then and there. It was, like, most of the game. Their offense has just been way too good to where it has completely carried them. And now they're just two wins away from a Coach K retirement tour National title send-off.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be pretty... uh, I I said at the beginning, whenever in the bracket preview episode, I said, I guess we're about to find out if the NCAA is rigged or not, and I think we're slowly finding out that it is. (laughs) Um, Not only with Duke advancing to the Final Four, but with North Carolina facing off against the 15 seed today to go to the Final Four, which would ultimately set up a matchup a Duke-North Carolina matchup to go to the national championship. You can't write a better script than that.
1: Honestly. Well, they did.
0: Huh? Well, you're saying that they did. They did write that script. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you can't write a better one than that. That makes it think that either that is one hell of a coincidence or it's it's rigged for that yeah. and for the views, which wouldn't surprise me because they want the views because um, they're the NCAA. But...
1: Yeah, uh, you know, taking us back to that Thursday. When I woke up that day, I was so ready for the games. Those few days off, we talked about this like last oh, week. Yeah. How we were just like, okay, we need a few-day break. That few-day break actually did help because by the time Thursday came around, I was ready for the games to start back up again. And then there were no games until 6.09 p.m. Central Standard Time, which was kind of late in the day for them to start. But then I was like, oh, wait, people actually have to work? Yeah, a real job instead of having a spring break. So that's why the games were pushed back. So good on the uh, NCAA, I guess, for actually allowing people to watch the games.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- like you were talking about the three days off. If there would have been games on Monday, I can't say I would have been excited to watch them. I probably wouldn't have watched them because it- I didn't really want to. I needed that break. The three days off, did some stuff, you know, got caught up. And then by the time Thursday rolled around, it's like okay, we're doing this again. We're underway again, um, and it's kind of the same thing today, although it's not nearly as bad. Um, but it's kind of like all right, another. Yeah. Even though this this breaks a lot longer, it's five days. But you know, it's been a great two weekends of basketball. Could, couldn't really ask for anything better, other than Arizona to be alive still. Yeah, that
1: was that was a really tough watch. I mean. Houston just slowly killed them. Death by a thousand cuts with that defense. I thought (laughs) that Arizona would be able to get something, some kind of run going, Mm -hmm. but they never really did.
0: That was the most painful part of it because at the beginning of the game, Houston shut us down. But that's happened a few times. Like a few different teams have shut us down throughout the season. But to do it in that fashion and just completely dominate us, it was so heartbreaking whenever we didn't go on that run because in all the other games we've went on that run, mm-hmm. you know, that 10, 0 12, 14 to two run where we just instantly get back into the game and even take the lead a lot of times. And I kept waiting for that to happen. Like, cause they weren't never dominated that much. You know, it was always a 10 point eight point game. Yeah. And so it was like, well, just one big run here and they could get back into it. But that run never happened. So credit to Houston for stopping that. They were all, I mean, the first half, I figured out that good defense just means fouling everyone (laughs) every time they touch the ball. But in the second half, they cleaned up the fouls because a lot of them were in foul trouble. They cleaned that up, and they just played really tight defense and didn't allow any good passes, really. I mean, the shots were one thing, but Arizona, their specialty is the passes, like finding open people, and there just wasn't any of that in that game, and that's ultimately why Houston won.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, mean, yeah, I mean, they couldn't get on that run. The passing lanes weren't there. You know, it was was almost like they were a good defensive secondary or something like that. You know, they just – passing game just really couldn't get going either. And, you know, they weren't like running and gunning either through transition or anything. You know, Houston just doesn't let that happen. Yeah. So, without that, that just – they were just – they just fell apart. So, and another game that kind of took place during the Sweet 16, I had a lot of faith in the Must against Gonzaga. In fact, I almost more mortal locked them, but wanted to ride with Big Cat in his game of the year against Duke with Texas Tech. But Gonzaga stopped by the Must Bus. Yeah. And uh, all for naught, though, because the Must <laughs> Bus lost to uh, Duke. And uh, I tried so hard. I called the Hogs all day on uh, <laughs> yesterday, Saturday, and even on Friday. I was like, "Let's let's roll," and uh, they just weren't able to do anything. So,
0: yeah i I mean the the Gonzaga one, I think a lot of people saw coming. They struggled really early in the tournament. Yeah. You know, they struggled with Georgia State, who didn't even win their conference regular season, um, and then they struggled with Memphis too, especially in that first half. Um, we're just completely dominated by Memphis. And so you could tell they weren't playing their best basketball. And as soon as Chet Holmgren fouled out in that Arkansas game over, I mean, they were already down by like eight drew. Timmy was off. He was, was, I guess you could say he was off, but I still feel
1: felt like he was, he was taken over in some stretches.
0: He was still pretty good, but I just felt like he wasn't as good as he needed to be without Chet out there for them to win. And, uh, So the Zags fall again. I mean, before, you know, still without a national championship.
1: Yeah. And I looked at their recruiting. I don't think they have a top 100 guy coming in at all next Mm -hmm. year. But Drew is only going to, he's only a junior. So if he wants to come back, he's, I'm sure Mark Few will say, you're more than welcome to come
0: back. So yeah, I I think he will come back because I don't think he's really a highly touted NBA prospect at all. So.
1: He's not, but he could. De- he'll definitely play professional basketball, just maybe not in the NBA.
0: Yeah. Uh Andrew Nemhard, I do believe is a senior. The guard. Yeah, he. He was
1: really bad too. Yeah,
0: he had a really rough game shooting wise. I think
1: by the time Chet Holmgren fouled out, he only had two points. Mm-hmm. So between him and Chet, they only had thirteen points by the time Chet fouled out, and that just wasn't going to get it done against arkansas one thing i want to point out about arkansas though i mean jd note jd note he he had like 23 or 25 points i think but at one point during the game like towards the end he was shooting like nine of 33 he was just bricking everything and he just kept shooting and i thought he was going to shoot them out of the game but somehow they were able to hold on Jalen williams stud you know uh Who's their other stud? Uh, um, a Moody played well as well.
0: They have a lot of transfers on their yeah, team. Yeah, they
1: do. They loaded up last year. Yeah,
0: I think Jalen Williams is the only like true recruit that played significant minutes in that game. The rest were all transferred. I mean, obviously, NoTe. This is his second year at Arkansas, but he transferred from the Jacksonville Dolphins out of the Atlantic Sun. So, I mean, really, every single player on their team. Full yeah. tra- I can't name them all right now, but I did look it up, and they. Except for Jalen Williams, they're all transfers. Yeah,
1: and they got the number two recruiting class coming in, so. Yeah. They've got the number two. Nate Oates in Alabama has the number three recruiting class, so SEC is just kind of reloading again. But uh,
0: What about uh, who's got number one?
1: I actually don't know who has the number one class. No. <laughs> I just know that Arkansas and Alabama have the two and three classes right now. Um, another thing that happened, obviously, Sweet 16, uh, this game was just – I didn't even really watch it that much because it was like the least entertaining game going on at the time of the other games. But Villanova beat the honorable Michigan men who was representing the whole big 10 besides Purdue, but Purdue also lost. So uh, Villanova, just a tournament team. That's all you can really say about them. Once they get in, man, I mean, they're like a lock. Yeah. To win a ton of games and it's the same deal this year. I mean, they're just flat out built for the, for the tournament. Another Final Four run for Jay Wright. And this is what I think, honestly, which is weird to say this about a team, but... I think if Villanova wins it this year... Which I don't think they will, but I've said that about this whole tournament with them. Like, I don't think they're going to get very far anyway, but they have. They've reached the Final Four and won their region, but I think they're pretty much a blue blood at this point if they win the tournament. Which is weird to say because they're not power five like when you think about it you know they're yeah. not i guess you know they're in the big east but i guess when i think about their school it's like they don't even have a football team that's fbs <laughs> you know <laughs> like kansas and duke you know at least they've got fbs yeah. like football programs and whatnot and other high level sports but villanova it's just basketball but they're pretty much a blue blood I you could say gonzaga but to me you've got to win at least one natty
0: well, Gonzaga doesn't even have – you're talking about not having an FBS football team. Gonzaga doesn't even have a football team yeah, at exactly. all. So
1: It's just weird to think of those kinds of teams as possible blue bloods. But if Villanova wins it this year, I think they definitely are. And even if they don't, I mean, they're just a force in college basketball right now. Even – they don't – you know, they don't have a bunch of players that are going to go to the NBA. In fact, I don't even think they have one NBA player on their team this year. But they just have great college players. Next yeah. year they do have a five star coming in.
0: Who's uh, this? Villanova. Villanova. Yeah. Um, Duke actually has the number one recruiting class next year. Great one for John Shire. Um, Derek Lively, the number one recruit, seven one center. Um, he's committed to Duke as well. So even if Duke doesn't win the title this year, they'll they'll be back. Yeah. So. It would be funny if John Shire won the title next year. It
1: would be funny if
0: John Shire gets fired within like three years. (laughs) That would be hilarious. That would be so epic for me. Not going to happen, though, because Duke has turned into that school where it just doesn't matter. Yeah, guys just
1: go there to go there. Yeah, They call it the brotherhood. I call it the semesterhood. I mean, they're literally there for a semester, and they're done. They're like, okay, I'm preparing for the draft. 7-1 center, Derek Lively, number one recruit, man. I wonder if he's going to be like an Embiid type or something. I haven't watched him at all, but like one thing I will say about Duke, the only player that I really like for Duke, and this is hard to say, is
0: Duke actually has the number four and five recruits in the nation too. Mark,
1: I think, is his name Mark Williams? Derek Whitehead and
0: Kyle Philipkowski. So they have two Derricks. Well, they're spelled differently. The Derek Lively is D-E-R-E-C-K, and Derek Whitehead is D-A-R-I-Q. Uh,
1: that'll be slobbered on next year, Derek and Derek. Yep. But uh, like I was saying, what is his name Mark Williams down in the paint for Duke? Theo John? No, not him. Number 15 for Duke. Hmm. He is a beast. Mark
0: Williams, I think you're right.
1: He has yeah. been terrific all tournament. He's like the centerpiece for them. I know Roach and Paulo have been playing outstanding, but Mr. Williams has been a stud as much as I hate to say it.
0: Well, uh, another thing that you have to – in the tournament uh, with some of these big men, Purdue, watching them play St. Peter's. That was such a fun game, by the way, too. St. Peter's becomes the first 15 seed to advance to the Elite Eight. But Purdue, everyone talks about Jaden Ivey. i really great so. player. Yeah, really great player. He's going to be a top pick in the draft. He's going to be good in the NBA, too. He's got a lot of talent. But Travion Williams? I mean, they talk about Zach Eady too. I was not impressed with Zach Eady. I actually started to hate him watching that game because he is so tall. He's literally got the Yao Ming build, and he is not that good.
1: No, he doesn't do anything with it. You know, no, like, I, down. when he scores, you're like, why don't they do that every possession?
0: It's because he can't do it every possession. But
1: I don't understand why. Like, when I watch him play, he shows the ability to do easy dunks, easy lands. And let me remind you, St. Pierce does not have a big guy of the same size. And no one does. He's the
0: biggest guy in to... him.
1: Yeah. And he still just can't dominate. And it's just weird. He is just, like, super clunky and unathletic. Until you see him throw it down, you're like, oh, maybe he is ath on or athletic, and then he's just not. So I don't know. I mean, yeah,
0: I maybe I mean he'll get
1: better. He needs to get a hell of a lot stronger too.
0: Yeah, so, he just seemed like he played weak. Yeah, like he just like was scared and didn't want to be there. But Travion Williams, another big, I think he might have been the power forward or something for Purdue. He played amazing. He really stepped up. He actually played athletic, unlike Zach, unlike Zach Eady. Um, he really impressed. I, he missed a few buckets down the stretch there, but really that's what you have to do if you're at Purdue. Cause he had the hot hand. He really kept them close in that game. Jaden, Ivey made a huge basket down the stretch, but I just wanted to give a shout out to that guy. Cause I thought he played good, you know, despite everyone talking about Jaden, Ivy and Zach Eady on that team, Travion Williams played really well. So, yeah, uh, I think, you know, one reason people will
1: talk about Ivy is, you know, last like 10 seconds. He had a deep, Deep three, and then he almost hit another one. Yeah. To tie it, to send it to overtime. But no, the Fighting Dugs of (laughs) St. Peter's survive and advance, which is all you got to do in this tournament. Yep. And they play North Carolina. But let's talk about that brilliant Sweet 16 matchup between the two blue buds of college basketball, two kings of college basketball history, UCLA and North Carolina. Great jersey matchup. First, we'll start there. Great colors in that game. Yeah. Great hair in that game. All tournament hair in that game. Tiger Campbell, mm-hmm. Leaky Black, Armando Baycott, you know, all these – giant Juzang's got a good cut. Um, Just awesome hair in that game, flinging all over the place. And then also from St. Louis, I love him to death because he didn't pull Jason Tatum and go to Duke. Caleb Love dropped thirty points for the heels against UCLA. Went nuts in the second half. Dropped twenty-seven. Had three points in the first half, twenty-seven in the second, and just would not. He he's the reason why they won. Down the stretch in that game, he just would not let the heels lose. It was crazy. I mean, he was making just about everything. And if you're UCLA, you just what do you say to that? There's nothing you can do about that. He you played fine defense. I mean, he was shooting them from downtown deep, so deep I mean, threes. Like nothing you can do about that
0: and checking the the Bruins every like <laughs> down the yeah. stretch he checked them like three times
1: and uh it's just funny because it's funny to me because like Caleb Love I like I, said, I love him to death but he has so many games where he'll shoot those deep threes and they are just complete and utter bricks and I watch, I watch a lot of Carolina basketball especially here in February and March and he's had plenty of games where those shots don't go in and he shoots those same types of shots. And you're just like, Jesus, Caleb. But uh, they went in tonight and uh, it was kind of like his coming out party. Caleb Love is actually a a fairly notable player for the media. Like a lot of media members know who he is already because he was a five star coming out of St. Louis and CBC and his freshman year last year, he had a lot of flashes, but he came back, which was, the right decision obviously and he's gotten a lot better and he dropped 30 points and he kind of like took the media took the nation by storm by dropping 30 and it was all because you know down the stretch of that game he just was lights out and that kind of captures a
0: an audience. Yeah. well it makes you think I brought this up with you the other day uh he when he was making his decision on where to go to school he narrowed yep. it down to North Carolina and his hometown school Mizzou yep what, a, I remember it was a yeah. win-win for
1: me either way. I don't know if you remember, that, yep, I do remember like, that. I don't care either way. Let's go. I obviously wanted him to go to North Carolina a little bit more, but either way um, it would have benefited me.
0: What would? What do you think would have happened had he committed to Mizzou? Would he have maybe saved Conzo Martin's job, maybe took him to the tournament this year, or would he have obviously fizzled out like most of those players that come to Mizzou? Um,
1: personally, like I, like I was just talking about, Caleb has plenty of games where those shots don't fall and he's a great offensive player and a very below average defensive player. And that's why another reason why he needed to come back because he was not a good defensive player at all. And, uh, I, so I don't know how he would have really fit into Konzo's defensive minded scheme. Obviously Konzo Martin has been fired, but he would have been coached under Konzo Martin and, uh, He obviously, I wonder, you know, maybe Xavier Pinson would have stayed, you know, with another shooting guard because Xavier's the point guard. Caleb Love would not have to play point guard if uh, he would have went to Mizzou, in my opinion. I mean, I think they would have been better off if he would have, obviously. I mean, when you have a talent like that, but I don't think it would have changed a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Even this year, you know, I don't know if they would have won a ton of games.
0: Yeah. I mean, it. Certainly, good to have a recruit like that, kind of like in Michael Porter Jr. But uh, it is Mizzou still. So yeah, at the end
1: of the day, two totally different players. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. was the number one recruit in a lot of recruiting uh, analysis. Some he was the number two, but a lot of them he was number one, and uh, we all know how that worked out from Mizzou. Caleb Love was not number one or anything. He was he was a five star though. Five-star shooting guard, so I'm sure he ran the point. In fact, you know, uh, some of the players at Washington High School, they actually played against Caleb Love Mm -hmm. in some, not AAU, but tournaments over the summer and whatnot. And it was funny, uh, my friend Chase Merriman, he played against him, and he was just said he was all offense. He, like, didn't play a wicked defense, (laughs) which I was like, oh, that makes a heck of a lot more sense. Yeah, kind of (laughs) like a mellow ball.
0: So, yeah, that's how most players like that are. But, I mean, he certainly had a coming-out party. Um, Sweet 16, very good games. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, that was probably the best round, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that UCLA – UNC game was just a college basketball fan's dream. And cause we've just been we've been talking about UNC the whole time. Obviously, I'm a huge UNC fan, but UCLA, they went on stretches where they wouldn't miss, especially at the beginning of the game. Like, how in the world are we gonna beat these guys? Juzang, Bernard, and them were like all three for three to start the game and whatnot. And I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> and Hawkes and stuff like that, you know, that he played well as well. Um, the only person that I think you know. Not to take a shot at this guy, he's catching a stray here for me, but Riley, I think I can't remember his first name. Riley, the center, Cody for, Riley. Uh, okay, Cody Riley, the center yeah. for uh, UCLA. Not very good. Still very much developing. Definitely a college player, but it just made me think if they had a stud at center, UCLA probably would have won the title this year. I mean, that was like their missing piece for me like when i was just watching that game like if yeah. they had armando baycott or mark williams or something like that i mean they probably would have won the title this year
0: yeah i mean they if they would have won that game against UCLA probably a lock for the final four or against a uh, UNC USC, yeah yeah um you could they played well there's nothing you could do just Caleb Love just played out of his mind in the last yeah. five i mean it was a back and forth game the entire game yeah. No one really pulled away at all until the very end when Caleb Love just started playing out of his mind. So there's really nothing that you could say we could have done better if you were used. To, I mean, yeah, sure. You could have made more shots, but yeah, really it's college basketball. So what could you ask for? Yeah. You know, you could Whereas kind of, us, like Arizona, like what could you have done better? Oh, maybe, you know, got more quality shots, maybe yeah. try to draw more fouls because the defense that they were playing very vulnerable for that, but you know, UCLA, there's not much else you could have done.
1: UNC yeah. You just played a perfect game. I could kind of see it on Mick Cronin's face, too, after the game. He was like, you just couldn't really say anything. Like, there was nothing to be disappointed about Now the way that they lost because, like, you just got beat by a hell of a player down the stretch, and that was that was
0: it. Yeah, you, you can't know? do anything about it, so. Yeah.
1: yeah I'd say that, obviously, a little biased, but that was probably my favorite game. Yeah, Uh, well, 16, also the Gonzaga one was interesting.
0: Yeah, that was a fun. That was also the first game and the last game. So both of them were fun. Uh, Villanova looks like they're going to match up with Kansas. I think Kansas is pulling away against Miami here. That's going to be an interesting matchup. So we're either going to have Kansas or Villanova in the championship. Kind of boring, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, both those schools have been there many, many times. Um, And then on the other side, you're either going to have Duke Match up with either UNC, which would obviously capture all the media headlines this week.
1: Yeah, also or, f- the first time that they've ever met in the tournament, which is incredible.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they always try to break them up, I think. Yeah, so I know, it, but it's it still four. crazy
1: to think about when you've had Coach K all these years and you've had Dean Smith and Roy Williams, you know, coaching these teams. It's like, how did this never happen? Before? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh so yeah, that could obviously happen. Or you could have the option of Duke playing a 15 seed in the final four. Yep. That would be the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> um there's obviously been a few 15 seeds to reach Sweet 16, none other than St. Peter's this year to reach the Elite Eight. But if they were to go on and just go to the final four, I there's nothing that you could That that's a perfect run. Yeah, I it's the greatest (laughs) Cinderella run of all time, and it probably will never be topped. It's just so astonishing to me still.
1: When I I, because every single day I see a little bit more and more about Saint Peter's and their school. Their school is two. Their enrollment is about twenty one hundred. And their basketball court, like we said last week, looks like a high school gymnasium. In fact, there's high school gymnasiums that are nicer than St. Peter's Court and Mm -hmm. facility. And, uh, you know, they showed their – Sweet 16 send off and it was just pretty much all media members and nobody from the actual school sending them off. And I was, I looked a little closer and I saw that their pullover jackets didn't even have their logo on it. It was just an Adidas pullover jacket. I don't know if you saw that, but I, I thought that was it. astonishing too. It's like, these kids don't even have their logo on their pullover jacket. It's just the Adidas logo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just,
0: they're it's fun- it's wild that it's they're going wild. on. They beat Kentucky, they beat Purdue, uh, Murray State, obviously that's not like a big name score or anything, but they played, they had 31 wins this year. Yeah. Very quality. I mean, and if they were to beat North Carolina in the same run after beating Kentucky and yeah. Purdue, oh my goodness, I mean, I, dude, it's, it's just shocking to have, I mean, this is basically like, uh, it's not even a D1, it's barely a D1 team, like they were mm. holding on to their D1 status. Yeah. That's how low they were on the totem pole, and here they are. They're going to be one of the last five teams left. Yep. Nothing. That <laughs> that's wild. That's yeah.
1: crazy. It's incredible. It's a banner that uh, probably will be the biggest banner in that gym forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you, you should see their win, and... in that gym, too. It's weird. It's just like NIT. NIT appearance. NCAA appearance like a long time ago. I think it was like 2011,
0: actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever. wherever they lose... That banner is going to be hanging there for a long time, Um, and they put their school on the map easily. So, yeah, uh, Yeah. I I, I'm excited for that game. That's going to be fun.
1: Because
0: either way, I mean, you're going to get a good matchup. You're either going to get a good storyline. Either way, whoever wins that game,
1: yeah. I was, um, pretty normal and uh, using social media to like interact with other North Carolina fans. And the theme is, and this was a frequently asked question around everybody, it's like, we win this game, how long are we even going to celebrate for? Because, trust me, as a North Carolina fan, one, seeing Duke just advance the Final Four ruined my night, a big chunk of it last night. I just had this feeling in my stomach like, oh, my God, they're really going back. And then, two, if you're a North Carolina fan, you know when it's Duke week, It's just like a week-long thing that you're thinking about. Usually, obviously, it comes on Saturday when they play. Even in the ACC tournament, it's usually the finale when when they play each other. It's usually always on a Saturday. It's always on like this weekend. It'll be on a Saturday too if they play. It's just a week-long feeling of like, oh, my God, you're preparing yourself as a fan because it's like just one giant ball of hate in a game and you're also trying to enjoy the tournament run and your tournament success, it's just – it's a, it can be a stressful week. And so it's like if we even make it to the Final Four, incredible run by Hubert Davis. I love Hubert. I love this team for North Carolina. I, I was saying on Twitter the other day, I was like, you know, even the 2017 national title team and the Hansborough teams and the Kendall Marshall teams and stuff like that, this team has just some of the best personalities on it. And I've just really become really proud of the players and what they've been able to accomplish because there's been some times for North Carolina where they've really struggled.
0: And uh to see them here, it's actually pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, and you don't want to like look overlook it yet because you're like, Oh, we gotta play fifteen seed, you know, we're easily in the final no. four, but and you don't you don't want to do that. That's no. your biggest mistake no. if you do that. So
1: in fact, uh Hubert Davis, you know, he said it best, and I'm not overlooking St. Peter's. I'm, I am I'm, amped up for this game, but I also know how stressful it's going to be. St. Peter's, at the end of the day, this is what Coach Hubert Davis said. He goes, at the end of the day, St. Peter's has beaten two teams that North Carolina has lost to by like 20 points, 29 points, I think it was, to Duke, or not to Duke, Kentucky. They've beaten both Kentucky and Purdue, and North okay. Carolina both got hammered by both of those teams. And St. Peter's has taken care of both of them, so there you go. That's all you need to know. So I think I feel like Coach Huber Davis does have the boys' minds in the right places when he says stuff like that, and makes me feel a little bit better. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not overlooking the Cox.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can't stop the Cox, but uh, at the same time, like in the uh, the after the game, the Purdue game, they were interviewing the the coach Shaheen Holloway. What this might be the greatest display of coaching ever. I mean, because they have no most of these guys weren't even recruited really out of high
1: school. Yeah, they're none of their players on their team were ranked. Yeah, so that's all you need
0: to really know. Mm-hmm. And he's out here beating teams like Kentucky, Purdue, Murray State They have like stars on their team. And obviously, you know, Jay Knight, he's going to be a he's going to be a top five pick maybe in the draft this year. Yeah, he just went out and beat beat his team. Yeah, this, I think I think containing Zach Eady too.
1: Yeah, because they don't have the size, and they did it. So yeah, I, I saw I someone say
0: that like watching the Saint Peter's defense is just straight up inspirational, yeah. <laughs> and it really was. I mean, just watching them, it was just a phenomenal display of coaching. And in the post game interview, they asked them like, "How he feel?" And he's like, "Well, what are they going to say now?" You know, they're saying we couldn't beat Kentucky. Couldn't make it to the Sweet 16. No 15 seeds ever been to the Elite Eight. You know, what are they going to say now? And then he also added that my guys just go out and play basketball and have fun. And ultimately, I think that's really just the key to winning. Yeah. It's not – I mean, obviously, you have to put in, you know, the extra hours. You have to put in the work. But ultimately, when it comes game day, the goal is just to go out and play basketball. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can prepare all you want, but if you don't go out and play basketball and you don't have fun – you're not gonna win.
1: Yeah. Well, if they don't have fun, they were they're knocked out in the first round by Kentucky. Yeah. You know, I mean that's just how it is when you have such a talent deficit. So mm-hmm. I mean and yeah. I
0: think that also benefits them because all these other teams they're playing a fifteen seed. Guess who has the pressure? No. Not the fifteen seed. Yeah. So even North Carolina, they're coming in, they got it, you know, they won one more game and they have a matchup with Duke in the final four. Yeah. And you know they've been beating all. North Carolina's had their fair share of great wins this tournament too. But they obviously have the pressure. They lose to a 15 seed, the Duke fans making fun of them all week. Yeah. Oh my god, I don't even want to, you know, think about that. But you
1: know, it's it's weird to think about this. Think about this. So in the elite eight of the East region, we have North Carolina, who's the number eight seed, against Saint Peter's, who's the 15 seed. One, North Carolina alone reaching it as the eight seed, the fact that there's a seven seed differential between the eight seed and the 15 seed in that game is just incredible. Like that is the fact that North Carolina made it as an eight seed. That's one hell of a story. And then you also have a 15 seed making it. It's just two great runs to think about. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about that's the death region. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> North has almost made it out of the death region. St. Peter's, out of anybody, you know, has almost made it out of the death region. And Yeah, uh, just wild.
0: Well, we were talking about that, like, this region has the most title contenders. Like, the ones that you could see winning the title. They had Kentucky, they had Baylor, obviously the one in two seats. They had Purdue, we could see them winning the title. They had UCLA, mm-hmm. who some people picked to win the title. They Even had Texas, who I would think was – a team that could go on a run. They had those five teams and here we are in the regional final. And none of those five teams are in this game. Yeah. Also multiple, multiple
1: honorable losses though, by both Baylor and uh, UCLA and
0: UCLA. I, I didn't think Purdue was an honorable loss, yeah. honestly though. Yeah. I mean, it <laughs> it's not like these teams played bad. They just got outplayed. Really. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just a story of two great runs meeting up. You know, what's it? What's the old saying? Like when a when a train meets a, it's a <laughs> what's it called? I'm blanking on the phrase yeah. right now. But it's eh. basically like two trains meet each other. Which one wins? That's basically it's an
1: unstoppable match. force versus an, an immovable object. Yes,
0: that's what we're looking at right here. Mm-hmm.
1: You can decide who's who in that matchup, but uh, just it'll be fun.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll be rooting for St. Peter's. Obviously, Kim will be rooting for UNC. But regardless, it looks like Miami's pretty much done here. They're on my 20 with more yeah. minutes left. But So it'll be Kansas, Villanova, Duke. And if it is North Carolina, that's kind of a boring Final Four because like those teams are always there. But if it's St. Peter's, that could be a really, really fun story, though.
1: Yeah, unless they just got absolutely obliterated by Duke. <laughs> which is the way Duke's playing on offense could definitely happen to either one, North Carolina or St. Peter's. We've seen it happen in North Carolina before. And like yeah. I said last week, North Carolina is due for their bad shooting, horrible-looking loss where people – those are the games where people start calling for Coach Hubert Davis's head again. And it's just wild how North Carolina fans will do that after one game and stuff like that. Yeah, but,
0: obviously we both don't want Duke to win. I think Kansas is not the team that's going to stop. If Kansas makes it to the championship and they play Duke, just go ahead and make Duke a lock. Nail it in. Yeah. Kansas will not be. They don't, they simply don't match up well against Duke. Um, Villanova, on the other hand, I think could be the team that could stop Coach K from getting that title. You know, they have a lot of veterans. Colin Gillespie, I know he's been there for like five years. uh, (laughs) Jesus. Uh, they got Jay Wright, who's obviously a very good coach, um, very good tournament coach. They just got the experience. They got the defense. They held Houston to 44 points yesterday. Yeah. And I think they got the offense. They yeah. Got, uh, what's his name? Jermaine Samuels in the paint. He just won the, uh, the South region MVP. So uh, that'll got, be a, uh, a
1: good defensive matchup. Again, Villanova will have to play this because, you know, we talk about Kansas's offense. Their defense is outstanding this year. Kansas? Yes. I think their Uh, defense in this tournament has been awesome. Even against, who did they play the other night? They played uh, Providence. Yeah, Providence. Their defense against Providence was wild. There was, like, a few minutes left in the first half. Granted, they gave up a little bit of a run, but it was, like, Providence had, like, 16 points with, like, four or five minutes left to go on the first uh, yeah. That, like, yeah, that's uh,
0: true. It was Providence's lowest scoring half in, yeah. in tournament <laughs> history. Just, I actually yeah. fell asleep during that game because it was so boring, but I took I kind of dozed off for like five minutes. Um, but yeah, regardless, college basketball, this is the best time of the year if you're a college basketball fan. Um, Yeah. And yeah, can't wait. Final four next weekend. Should be recording after that when the championship matchup is set, so the Duke UNC game could be complete. Yeah. By next time we record. So,
1: one final thing I'll add to college basketball, and then we'll talk about actually a little bit. It'll be embedded into something else we get into here in a second. But Kansas's Lightfoot, you know who I'm talking about? I just saw him on the screen. White yep. guy that just jammed it, number 44, looks like one of those basketball players from like the 1940s. Where like, they're. A- Really? Yeah. Like I was if thinking
0: he, he looked more like a John Stockton. I type just guy. think
1: he looks like one of those basketball players from the nineteen forties with like those really short shorts, like the really pale white guys in the pictures from the old NBA days or whatever. And like <laughs> his face matches up with like the old basketball and even baseball looking cards. Like his face does. If you look at it, you'll you kind of just like look at it and you're like, is this guy from a baseball card and a pack of Cracker Jacks from nineteen forty.
0: It's really weird looking, like a Cy Young guy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's it's just weird to me. it. I just it came to me like a few rounds ago. I'm like, who is this guy? Is he reincarnated? Is he's tall and I think he has, I think he only has like six points right now. But
0: whatever, they're winning by twenty. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. All right. While we're on the subject, you want to go ahead and talk about uh, some Mizzou? news yeah. that happened this week so mizzou obviously fired konzo martin a few weeks ago um and they have just hired a new head coach a few days ago actually dennis gates is his name yep and he is a black head coach from cleveland state yes the the vikings or whatever they're called the yeah there i know their logos a viking um green team yeah They've been in the tournament a few times the last few years. They've been at the top of the Horizon Conference the past few years as well. Um, I I don't know how to feel about this. I feel like we could have shot a little higher, but at the same time, it's not it's not a bad hire. No, I
1: he's already getting to work, and I'll move into that here in a second. But it's pretty typical move, I think, from Miss Reed Francois Mizzou's new AD and uh, President Kim. Chow or whatever the hell you say his name. Uh, pretty typical hire. Obviously, we were looking at maybe Rick patino or Sean Miller. Hopes (laughs) even Scott Drew. There was like these little murmurs going out around, uh, but none of that came to fruition. But Dennis Gates, the Gates. Welcome to the Gates of Gates. Yep, saw that meme already circulating throughout Mizzou media. I I don't mind him. I will say that I saw I'm. I think it was Wednesday, if I'm correct, was his opening press conference. And uh, me and my dad watched it. And he said all the things that you want to hear from a coach. When he comes in. Nothing too crazy there. He has a pretty big family. But the <laughs> pushing all the family stuff inside into the more important side, the basketball side, he has deep Chicago connections. Um, and that's very important in recruiting. In fact, I saw D Wade posted a picture yeah. of uh Dennis Gates, you know, and him getting the Mizzou job and you know, just supporting him and stuff, because he's a Chicago guy as well, which makes me <laughs> a little excited. Um he's been able to recruit, supposedly. You know, he took Cleveland State to the tournament a couple times. Apparently the program was way down. Yeah. And in fact. So here's just a little Coach uh, Gates background. He was uh, the assistant at Florida State for like nine or 11 years. I can't remember. Um, And his mentors, the coaches, uh, I'm blanking on Florida State's head man. He's a really good coach. Uh, But anyway, telling him, you know, if you take this Cleveland State job, it's pretty much career suicide in terms of head coaching. And he took it anyway. He bet on himself, and he took Cleveland State to the tournament a few times, and now he has landed a Power 5 job with Mizzou. So hats off to him for that. And uh, he, if he can continue to recruit, you know, Chicago and stuff, that's really going to help. He needs to lock down Missouri. You know, uh, there's a guy, in fact, playing for Kansas right now who's a sophomore from Columbia. You can't let those guys get away. And he's got to lock down Missouri first. But, man, if he can get some inner city kids Is it Braun you're talking
0: about? Huh? Braun that you're talking about? The Kansas guy? He's one of them. Yeah. His His brother went from Missouri. Yeah,
1: his brother did for a little bit. Now he's at Santa Clara. Um, But I wasn't talking about him. I don't even know him. I just heard them talking about him, and he was scoring. But, yeah, so hopefully he can recruit. Already signed the number one Juco recruit, and he signed another guy yesterday. I can't remember his name. This is bad radio that we can't remember any of their names, but oh, uh, I didn't hear about it. <laughs> yeah, he signed yesterday. So he's already got two guys. One, I guess, technically is a transfer, and one he, was the number one, Juco. And his last name is said he's French, Dierra or something like that. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, we'll see how that works out. I'm looking at uh, the Cleveland state history right now. They've been around for 50 seasons the last 3 seasons they have been led by head coach Dennis Gates um and his first season he went 11 and 21 in the Horizon League that's awful but it's also first year you're not you know that was before he recruited anybody yep and so what it appears here is that he's a, a great fantastic recruiter because the very next year after going 11 and 21 he turned it around goes 19 and 8 and as a berth in the NCAA tournament yeah obviously they lost uh, first round is a fifteen seed. Um and then this year they went twenty and eleven, won the horizon league NIT I thought this yeah, year. They won the regular season horizon league conference. So that is an automatic berth in the NIT. And yeah. So that is really inspiring to see that they went from eleven and twenty one to nineteen and eight.
1: Yeah. I mean I hope he can I'm do sure. something. You know, because recruiting is the name of the game. Uh, obviously he'll have some help with the transfer portal as that's the new name of the game in recruiting, but you know, he's got to find a way to keep Brazil, in my opinion. Now, Brazil, if you don't know he anything will. about him,
0: uh, what I think you will. Apparently, uh, Brazil, when he was looking to transfer, he had interest from Cleveland State. No, Before, he was recruited by Cleveland he was recruited. State, okay,
1: so that might help, but uh, that was actually. Brazil didn't have very many offers, which is interesting because he's an athletic specimen. Uh, but Cleveland State was one of them, along with Mizzou. And I just think he could be an NBA prospect by the time it's his junior or senior year. Obviously, not right now. In fact, this year he was only like six points per game. But, you know, he has the type of body and skill set that could develop into an NBA guy. Um, Pickett is another, Javon Pickett is a senior this year from Mizzou. And, uh, the portal and i don't know if they're gonna be able to keep him if they can find a way to get kobe brown to say yeah i'll do another year with the free covid year that would really help i don't know if he will yes Mm. so he he can he can graduate and be done but he has another covid year if he wants and uh so yeah um another missouri guy or at least in the state of missouri slews jordan nesbit is in the portal so maybe I don't know if he has any connections to Jordan Nesbitt, but, but that would be nice. Xavier Pinson, former Missouri point guard. We talked about him earlier in the show. He is in the portal once again and is considering Mizzou again, and I would love to have him back. I really, I've already really missed him. He's mm-hmm. a Chicago guy. He went to Simeon, which is one of the best or high school basketball schools in the country. It would be really nice to have him back. has turned into a playmaker over the last few
0: years and the reason he did leave mizzou was not because of mizzou it was because of konzo martin yeah i'm pretty sure he publicly said that yeah um he didn't like the way that he was coaching or treating them something like that so with the new coach from with chicago roots maybe opening that door back up to mizzou that would be pretty epic
1: yeah and uh one more thing to note this was fun for me uh Mizzou, I watched this after the North Carolina game uh, last Saturday against Baylor. They uh, had their spring game a little early, but it was fine with me. Watched it on my phone, but they had their spring game last week, and winners got ribeyes of the spring game, (laughs) and the losers got hot dogs. And it was funny because they were tied 34-34, so Coach Drink made the other team go for two because he said, we don't have enough ribeyes for everybody. So somebody had to win, and um, Tyler Macon's team didn't get the two-point conversion, so they lost 35-34. Sorry, they weren't tied yet, but if they would have kicked the extra point, they would have been tied. Yeah. But Coach Drink made him go for two. It was just fun. I love football, so it was nice to see Missouri back in action. They have some playmakers on offense. Yeah. But their defense needs a hell of a lot of work. But uh, I think we'll get into, you know, maybe some preseason college football talk in a few weeks. Well,
0: I found it interesting that the losers had hot dogs, like, because that's not even that bad of an item, unless, like, they made them eat, like, raw hot dogs. Like, just, like, they literally opened up a package, just slapped (laughs) it on the bottom. It's like, here you go. That would be disgusting. That would be an actual punishment. But the ribeyes is a nice touch for the winner. So, yeah. I mean, the thing is, and you're eating it. It was probably a damn good ribeye, too. Oh, yeah. So probably compared to the, the hot dog, I
1: think it probably was a bit of a you know, difference. Oh, um, yeah. In fact, Washington, prior to Washington, Ryan Horskamp, he was on the winning side, so he got a ribeye. Nice. Shout out, Ryan. Shout out. So, yeah. Fun week for Mizzou Sports. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fun times ahead for Mizzou Sports. New coach and drinks recruits are starting to grow up a little bit. Luther Burton scored a touchdown, which is just so crazy.
0: excited for that guy. Yeah. Absolute beast. I think he's going to be, he might help turn this program around. Really? Yeah. Such a huge pickup for coach drink. Um, we can, right. we can either do scene of the week. Yeah. I
1: think. I think we'll do tough scene of the week and then we'll cool. get into some quick NFL talk and that will pretty much wrap up the show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, tough scene of the week. Who wants to go first? I see you have a lot, so okay, I will. This one's kind of funny. It's this just happened a few days ago. So my tough scene of the week was that Mile High Stadium in Denver, Colorado, uh,
0: Broncos Stadium.
1: Broncos Stadium caught on fire in the seating, the seating section, the kind of the upper seats, and close to the suites where you know rich people sit and other season ticket holders sit. So the stadium was on fire. And you could see the smoke from Denver. Lots of people were taking pictures of it. Very crazy kind of a scene, you know, to see that a whole stadium was on fire. Obviously, the whole thing wasn't on fire, but the way the smoke was rising above the stadium, it looked like it. And so, but people are saying that this is why Pete Carroll doesn't let Russ cook. (laughs) is because of situations like this, Russ gets to start cooking and boom, stadium's on fire. So, yeah. Yeah, but it but, was a they were able to control it. Um nobody that's, not, was hurt that's not the only
0: stadium that caught on fire either. Last night the Raptors a speaker in the Toronto Raptors home stadium caught on fire as well. Wow. Yeah. The <laughs> so stadium fires are bad. Did they have to evacuate? Um they like suspended the game. They like like paused the game, got all the players off the court. I think they were trying to get people off, but it was a small fire. It got put out really quickly, but the game did get suspended. Yeah. So yeah. One thing interesting about the Broncos fire
1: was that it actually burned for a while. Like the seats were just burning, (laughs) burning away. And, uh, until they were able to put it out. So at least, you know, in the Raptors situation, they were able to get to it fast. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter say that they should just replace all those burnt seats with new Russell Wilson, orange seats. And, uh, Replace the old ones with those to kind of just bring
0: him in as the new quarterback. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, hopefully they. I'm still waiting for the color change or the uniform change, jersey change. The
1: colors are fine. Uh, they just need if they go with the uh, the dark blue, the dark navy blue with the orange. I think that's we're not big fans of. Yeah. If they can, but if they can mix in the baby blue with the bright orange like they do sometimes, that's what we're looking for. Oh as yeah. just
0: fans of kind awesome of oh, with jerseys. The, kind of with the throwback look. Yeah. Um my tough scene is actually myself. Um I'm on <laughs> I had a major tough scene this week. I actually locked my keys in the trunk of my car. And I don't have a set of spare keys. So oh, at that point I've pretty much screwed myself out of anything. Like uh we had to call the dealership um where I got my car from. So they can make a new key that didn't like have a click or anything. So I had to stick it in the door, unlock it, but then I can't get into my trunk. Like the key didn't work to get into my trunk and my seats aren't pulled down either. So like we had to like rip off like the cloth parts of the seats and like unscrew a bunch of stuff to get to the trunk <laughs> and then had to use like a metal wire to fish the keys out of like the trunk. It was a journey. That took multiple hours and uh, had me on edge for a very long time. But I will say this is something I will probably never do again. Yeah.
1: That's interesting that your car doesn't – like in my car, it's a 2012, so it's 10 years old now. But it has a button in the inside of the car that pops the trunk. Well,
0: yeah. I, I have one of those buttons. It's like a lever thing, but it's disconnected from the trunk, so it doesn't work. Like when you pull the lever, it thing. doesn't work anymore. Like it used to work yeah. or oh, okay. like disconnected over some time. And so like, uh, say so your car is not that old. Yeah. So like it, the communication, I guess just disconnected over time and it doesn't work anymore, but my seats actually do like pop down. But the unfortunate part about that is the button to pop down the seats is in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no way to get to the, it, it was just a journey. It was a, it's it was. It's a it that you didn't have a spare key. I never got one, and I just have been too lazy to go out and get a new one made. So uh, we we'd have one now, obviously. Um, but it was it was a uh, a tough scene to say the least. And it actually to add insult to injury, it happened the morning after the Arizona loss. So I was up all that night, at right after Arizona got destroyed, and very next morning I wake up go to my practice, and then I go out and I lock my keys in my trunk, and it was just – added insult to injury, made it worse. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> it,
1: it was just a rough stretch for you for a little bit. Yeah. um, Very rough 24 hours. Yeah. I actually have another. I didn't write this one down, but I finally – if you've been keeping up at all, I uh, sprained my wrist a few weeks ago. Actually, it's been over a month now. Uh, and it's actually been getting a lot better. And so I went to play basketball with some of my buddies the other day and, uh, I was driving into the lane and I stepped on one of my buddies' foot and I rolled my ankle <laughs> my ankle completely swelled up and it still hurts like a, you know what right now. So it's really sore. So it just seems like I just need to like stay inside for like five months. So my body just completely heal before I can ever do anything again it seems like because every single time I do something athletic it seems I just like get hurt like body of glass right now. Oh yeah but uh, uh, wrist is actually doing a lot better but ankle sore.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Big tough scenes. Huge tough scenes this week. Um one other little thing about the NCA uh
1: so we have an NCA tournament tweet of the week from our We've been following this guy, Barry McCockner, for years. Uh, He said this, and the reason why I included this, just to finish everything up with college basketball, this is just so true. It
0: is the truest thing ever.
1: Gonzaga wins 30 games every year playing in a conference against future Chuck E. Cheese managers, and they get a one seed, then inevitably shit their pants in the NCAA tournament (laughs) and lose. And that is just the truest thing. It happens every single year and it's yeah. true they put, uh, you know and crazy thing about it is this was probably the best year the west coast conference has had in years and Gonzaga still just rolled can't through it Do anything yeah. after that so
0: i I, treat- I actually don't think they won 30 games this year though i think they won like 26 or something i'll look it up though
1: mm-hmm. I don't know. I think with the West Coast tournament, they did get to 30 plus. the. Mm-hmm.
0: No, because I think they went into the tournament with like 26 wins.
1: They had 28 when they entered the tournament.
0: Which would have put them right
1: at 30 because they lost in the Sweet 16.
0: Um, They are 28 and 4 overall. There you go. Not 30 wins. Had they made it to the Final Four, they would have had 30 wins. But... Yeah. Okay. I guess I just remember seeing
1: 28 when they lost. But yeah. All right, so we'll jump right into NFL and that will be pretty much our show, but some major stuff did happen. Let's oh yeah. just say
0: that. It never the NFL never takes a break. I just it always throughout this entire offseason, it's just every single week there's a new thing that happens and it it's so wild. This might be the greatest offseason of all time. Yeah. It's so consistently good. I feel like the past couple of offseasons has been super fun too,
1: but each one, each new offseason overshadows the last one. Yeah, it's just yeah. like you just forget all the crazy moves that happened last year because there's so much crazy stuff going on this year. And I think the big part, the big reason why it feels so much crazier this year, too, is the quarterback carousel has been insane. We never see this much quarterback movement, yeah. but we're seeing a lot of it this year. But we'll just lead it off here. Tyreek Hill signs with the Dolphins while well, he was traded to the Dolphins. But then signed a four-year, one hundred twenty million dollar deal, so that's thirty million dollars per year, which came out of nowhere. By the by the way, this just happened yeah. during the middle of the week, and it's like the a Tuesday morning. Developed really fast. It was just like all of a sudden, early in the morning, it was just like Tyree Kill, you know, and his agent are seeking a trade. The Chiefs are going to let him seek a trade, even though they were going to make him the highest, one of the highest paid wide receivers. That's what it said. And then, so he seeked a trade and boom, he did become the highest paid receiver. And it was between the jets of all teams and the dolphins. He said that he was highly considering the jets. And then as soon as he signed with the dolphins, he said
0: he was never considering the jets, which is smart because they are AFC East
1: rivals now. So that makes sense. Why in the world
0: would you, why, if you were in your right mind, why would you ever consider the jets?
1: I don't so, know. Besides the fact that it's the big apple, maybe, and that they were probably gonna give him a ton of money, play with a young quarterback, but uh
0: why would you not go to uh, Miami though? That's it's same, Florida. I know, it's the same no situation. situation. Yeah,
1: it's Miami, it's
0: uh new it's head played. coach. It's,
1: I think the ultimate decision or deciding factor in all this obviously was he's actually from Miami
0: area, so that probably played a huge factor in getting to go home. And you're getting paid $120 million to go play in Miami. Yeah, But I I saw a report. I don't know if this is true or not. Dude had a verified check. I don't know if he was trolling or not. But apparently, Tyreek Hill said that Mike McDaniel, the new head coach of the Dolphins, sounds like Shrek. Yes, I saw that as well. I had no idea if that was fake or not. But I don't think he sounds like Shrek. I've I've listened listened to him
1: talk multiple times now. Yeah. So I don't know where. Donkey. That, I mean, that his doesn't sound hearing, like this is a possibility. His hearing perception might just be so messed up after the years with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> in the loud stadium of Arrowhead, you know, between Kermit and the highest decibel stadium in the in the world at times. You know, maybe that's just really messed up his hearing to where now Mike McDaniel, just a super high guy, sounds like Shrek.
0: True. It could be his he, his hearing deception might just be messed up. So.
1: But then the Chiefs went and quickly got uh, one of Luke's former players, the Packers' former players, MVS, Barquez, Valdez, Scantling, to replace Speed with Speed, Fight Fire with Fire a little bit, you know, because that's pretty much all MVS is too. It's just a Speed guy. Yeah. So uh, lots of Tua memes from this, especially after Hill said Tua is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL on during his press conference, which – by some metrics, I actually remember seeing this. He actually is because, but it's because he throws a ton of just slants and checkdown routes to yeah. where that really the general model pumps up his uh, completion percentage, which makes your accuracy look super good. But uh, I've watched a bunch of Tua NFL games firsthand, and I don't think he's the most accurate quarterback in the league. So.
0: Yeah, I I don't remember actually what the Dolphins ended up trading for Tyreek Hill. Oh, it was not bad. I think it was... Uh, it was like five
1: picks or something. I think it was a first. I know it was a first and uh, maybe a second. And then I think it was pretty similar to the Devontae Adams trade, but also a little bit better.
0: Well, I know that they, they got more picks, so... Let's see. One thing about that is that a Tyree Kill. You know, Dolphins receive wide receiver Tyree Kill. Chiefs receive 2022 20, first round pick, which is 29th overall. Not great, but um, still, they'll have the a pretty close what pick. Picks. Is that? That's not the Dolphins don't pick. They'll
1: pick number 28 and then pick number 29.
0: Well, who, who's pick number? 20? Is that the? Who is that? Is that the 49ers? Did the Dolphin? Did the Dolphins have the 49ers pick this year? I guess so. Because that's got to be the 49ers, 29. Yeah. Um, so they received that pick. They received uh 2022 second-round pick, which is number 50 overall. They received a fourth-round pick, and then next year a fourth-round pick and a sixth-round pick.
1: Not bad, really, when you get all that and you get to just replace it with MVS. Obviously, MVS not the same caliber, but he might yeah. be able to develop into one because we've seen – You know, this doesn't really get talked about as much as much as they just draft and trade for good talent, but they've really been good at developing wide receivers, it seems
0: like, over the past few years. So maybe they can help MVS a little bit. And also the Chiefs now have two first round picks, Mm -hmm. two second round picks in this year's draft. And they still have Patrick Mahomes, they still have Chris Jones, yeah, still have Travis Kelsey if they can draft young defensive guys that can pan out
1: like Nick Bolton, mm-hmm. you know, cause then, you know, when you draft them young and stuff, you only have to pay their rookie contract, which turns out isn't that much, especially in the later round or in the <laughs> back end of the first round and not nearly as much as the front end of the first round. So, you know, that would really help out, but I could also see them going after the same guy. I think the Packers might go after and Jamison Williams as well. So, but they all – yeah so maybe they might steer clear of that
0: i'm not sure yeah um some other news in the NFL immediately like literally right after we got done with our show it was like 2 minutes after we were done we saw that Matt Ryan had been traded to the Indianapolis Colts yep for a third round pick um and that's it that's a, a great trade for the Colts who Matt Ryan will become assuming he starts will become like the seventh QB in, like, the last seven years? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. For the Colts, wild. I mean, that's literally a Browns scenario right there. Yeah, and Andrew, they've been good. They've yeah. been a solid team. It's is a different situation Yeah, than the
1: Browns, but it's still pretty similar.
0: It's almost like the Colts could be a dynasty if Andrew Luck just never retired. Yeah, I miss him, too. He was so good. He
1: was fun yeah. to watch. I, I, that's why I miss him. You know, that's why I, I fear when Aaron Rodgers leaves. It's not that he plays for my team. I'm just going to miss watching him. Yeah. But, uh, luckily, it looks like he'll be sticking around a little longer.
0: Yeah, and that's probably good. Um, So the Colts trade for Matt Ryan, veteran, MVP, former Super Bowl quarterback, probably should have won the Super Bowl. Um, We're not going to talk about that, though. Nope. And that's, that's a great pickup, especially for only a third-round pick because in the Carson Wentz package, they got two third round picks and a fourth round pick, I do believe. Yeah. So they basically replaced Carson Wentz with Matt Ryan, but they also gained an extra third and fourth round pick. That's phenomenal work by the Colts GM, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I'd be kind of pissed if I was a football team fan, knowing that we could have had Matt Ryan for only a third, you know. Third I I don't court. think
1: it's the end of the world for the football or not the football team, the commanders, but yeah,
0: the commanders. One thing I will
1: point out with uh the Colts is they need to take this opportunity to go get some young talent in the draft on the offensive side of the ball. In wide my receiver. opinion, wide receiver or a playmaking tight end, one of the two, you know, and if you can't do that, then you better find a stud on defense, which they've been good at doing, but they really need some offensive help. Pittman and Taylor can't do it alone, man. Uh -uh. And they've built an awesome offensive line. They've got to find a way to maintain that offensive line because they got hurt a little bit last year too, which didn't help Wentz. Somehow Taylor just pushed through it a little bit, but they need to find a way to keep those guys healthy. Um, But, yeah, they just need a little bit, a few more offensive weapons, and that might be able to push them over a little bit.
0: Jack Doyle, their tight end for the past few seasons, just retired as well. So they have that open position. I think that is probably their biggest need, although I don't think there's a lot of, like, slam-dunk tight ends. No, there isn't. Last year was Kyle Pitts,
1: but maybe, you know, they just need to really
0: focus on scouting that. And They've got a little bit more time,
1: you know, before the draft, so maybe they can find something. Like you just said, there's not a slam-dunk tight end unless we're just blanking on them right now. But I don't think there is. And uh, so maybe they could find somebody in, like, the second or third round. But that also means, you know – the less fantastic tight ends there are, the more teams will also target tight end in those second and third rounds because they're like, okay, we gotta find one. Yeah. And take it. So we'll see about that. One thing we forgot I left out just out of the Dolphins thing is they also signed Teron Armstead, who's a beast tackle from the Saints. And that's gonna help Tua out. So that just benefits Tua, Tyreek Hill, Waddle, whatever, the run game, if they ever get a run game. So
0: Yeah. Big obviously offensive line's a huge piece. Um back to the Matt Ryan thing. The, the Falcons immediately replace Matt Ryan with Marcus Mariota. Yep. Um stabilization until they yeah. find a quarterback. So they're, they're obviously not trying to compete next year, yep. which makes sense because they don't they don't have the team. Yeah. Arthur Smith, I think, will still try to win. You know, he seemed to have a pretty good season this year with the team that he had. So the Dolphins or not the Dolphins, the The Falcons are trying to load up on picks here, maybe try and rebuild, get something going. Obviously, they're not going to have Calvin Ridley this year either um, for other reasons. Unless he appeals. We talked about that. Then he wins the appeal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, that's about it with the Falcons. They they suck this year. Matt Ryan to the Colts. Colts obviously have a new rejuvenation.
1: Yeah. Kind of a
0: Vic-like quarterback, though,
1: with Mariota. Fast guy. Really fast actually. I don't know how fast he is now. It's been a few years since he really, you know, turned on the wheels or something. But uh they the Raiders would use him in certain packages last year when and they would just be blatantly obvious about it. They would just put him in to run the ball and he would just run the ball. Yep. <laughs> take out Carr and just let him go. Yeah. So, which is funny. So we'll see what they do there. I could see them drafting a quarterback. So we'll see what they do.
0: Yep. Uh, Deshaun Watson officially just assigns with the Browns. Um, it seems like his trial is continuing to go well. Um, he actually appeared with the media for one of the first times in years. Um, he had a a formal press conference. Um, and he was talking about the case a little bit and he continued to claim his innocence, which he's kind of easy to believe because I kind of see him as the guy that's, he would never do that. But, you know, obviously we got to go through the law here. Hopefully everything is fine. Um, Second-grade jury didn't indict him either. Yep. News for him. Um, but in that press conference that we we're talking about, <laughs> he actually said something that's kind of ironic. Yep. He said he, uh, you know, due to his circumstances, he's. Um, he said he was very
1: hands-on while he was in the city of Houston, inside the community.
0: Yeah. Very uh, hands-on guy. Yeah. Uh, which can be taken in multiple ways, probably not something he should have said no. <laughs> at all. <laughs> just uh, got
1: to have some situational awareness there, but it, it's a funny thing now looking at it right now. So, uh,
0: you know, that's like, it's like big Ben, you know, saying like, well, they told me I could retire and I just don't take no for an answer. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like something like that. Yeah, that's a good comparison. <laughs> uh, even though I don't think he actually said that, but it would be like him saying that. Yeah. Um, or it'd be like Aaron Hernandez being like, "Well, you know, I just have the killer instinct in me, mm-hmm. or something like that." Yeah. It's just something that you probably shouldn't say if you're, yeah. you know undergoing, uh, uh, what what's it called a trial right now yeah. for, um, something sexual things going down in a massage parlor. So yeah, very hands on. It was just. Yeah, I
1: just couldn't believe it. It was just one of those things I thought was made up, but it was real. So, yeah. Um, and this one's more for me. Most importantly, of all the things that happened in free agency the past few, uh, over the past week or so, my sweet prince, famous Jameis the Goat Winston re-signed with the Saints, which was uh, allowed me a big sigh of relief. I can't wait to watch Jameis down in Noah again next year. It was so fun. They were like – what were they, like six or seven and one when he was the starter last year, and in, uh, including their unbelievable domination of the Packers in the first game of the season. I bet you remember I that.
0: I game from Jameis. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he was just dorky last year too, so I I miss him. I can't wait to watch him again. He uh, seems like he's ahead of schedule with his ACL tear. So uh, I'm excited. I've already seen multiple – random workout videos from James. Uh so those are the best. So yeah, I'm excited for that. I get to I have his jersey so I get to wear that again next year. So Yeah. Another thing, this is a little bit different. I forgot to mention this last week with the juju thing. I have this thing going on with real NFL jerseys that I buy, the jersey curse. All the jer- all the real NFL shop jerseys that I've purchased they it, they don't mean a dang, a thing anymore because Juju Smith Schuster. I have that. I have his Pittsburgh Steelers version uh away jersey. He signed with the Chiefs. I have an Antonio Brown home jersey for the Steelers. That's self-explanatory. I, I don't <laughs> even know what to say about A.B. He <laughs> might own the Broncos one day. Um, Maybe soon. I have a Jameis Winston Tampa Bay Buccaneers home jersey. Uh, And he doesn't play for the Buccaneers anymore. So, uh, yeah.
0: Don't you have a Derrick Henry, though? Please? I have a
1: Derrick Henry, but that one is from the, our good friends in China. Oh,
0: okay. That's where I get all my jerseys from, too. So I actually have an away jersey, curse myself. So I have – I obviously have an Aaron Rodgers home jersey. That one's fine. I have a Kyler Murray home jersey as well. But my one away jersey that I have – Belongs to uh, the former Packer, Devontae Adams. And every time I wore it last year, we lost the Packers. <laughs> because um, I would wear it for away games, typically. Because, you know, it's the white away. Yeah, The first game of the year got destroyed by the Saints. Um, the next time I wore it happened to be the game that Aaron Rodgers was out against the Chiefs. Because I was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is out. I can't wear the Rodgers. Oh God, that I gotta wear that game. one. Lost that game by a lot. Um. What was the other game they lost? Oh, Detroit. Last game of the year. Because I, I kind of picked up on it after those first two games. I was like, okay, this might have a curse. The last game, it didn't matter if we lost or not. So I was like, I'm going to test it out before the playoffs, just make sure. And, and it was. We actually ended up losing. So I was like, just not even going to touch it in the playoffs. And then obviously the curse came full circle, complete whenever Devontae was traded to the Raiders a few weeks ago. Yeah,
1: I actually have one more, too. This one uh, this one is pretty recent. You may not know this guy, obviously. Some Carolina football people would know this guy, but Tony Grimes, the starting cornerback for the Tar Heels, I have his jersey, too, and he was number 20 his freshman and sophomore year, so these past two seasons. And he just got up and changed his number from number 20 to number one for next season. So I have his jersey, you know, number 20, Grimes, and now it's number one grime. So that jersey is kind of, kind weird, of weird too weird. now. Yeah. So, yeah. The
0: jersey madness. It's always risky buying one of those. Yeah, it really is. I remember
1: my dad told me that when I was younger. He's like, now you can buy these. And, you know, NFL jerseys are like $100 and they've gone up in price, actually. Seems like now they're like 125 now. And, uh, but, and he was right. You know, you can buy these jerseys, but there's a, you, Gotta remember that there is a great chance that they will not be playing for this team within three to four years. So yeah. And he was
0: right. So that is true. Um, thankfully I saw my Rogers one though. But that about wraps up the show here for episode nine. Um probably it's standard time, not really anything special, not any shorter, not any longer. Got a lot of good stuff in. Um next week should be good because we'll be recapping. Um obviously probably another week of football expect a few more huge things to happen I would assume. Yeah. Um the draft inches closer um and it will be next week will be actually be the last show that we have before opening day baseball. So after that I think we'll probably start becoming a big baseball podcast.
1: Yeah, a little bit more than obviously now we didn't even mention it.
0: Yeah, This week.
1: Uh, it's just been spring training. It's yeah, been the same thing over. And like you said, spring training stats are
0: fake, so it doesn't even yeah, matter. Exactly. But uh, just one Wander Franco's batting 071, it doesn't matter because it's spring training.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, one thing that I promised I would do today, Jace Braggley, still in the lead in our tourney challenge for uh, the Show Me Show tourney challenge. He has North Carolina winning it all, and they're still alive. He has he had Miami in the Final Four, but they just lost to Kansas. Yeah. So, uh, and then we have one other person who's Goat. also in the running, Goat, who has Kansas winning it all, and we just saw them beat yeah. Miami by 26 points. So it looks
0: like looking good. Yeah, it looks like Jace Bradley has it all, but wrapped up as long as Kansas doesn't win it all. Yeah. The only way that Goat can pass Jace Bradley is if Kansas wins it all. Yeah. And like North Carolina, like fizzles out here really soon. <laughs> Jace's bracket is just insane, too. I, I can't believe all the things he got right.
1: If, yeah. If you have the time, you can go into the tourney challenge and look at his bracket specifically. And it's just like, wow. I mean, he didn't get everything right, obviously. Nobody no one ever does. does. But it's just like, how did he do it? But then again, the he also that- had Seton Hall in the championship. So,
0: whatever. yeah. Well, I mean, Maybe a maybe a Seton Hall alum and Sheehan Holloway will be in the. Yeah, maybe that's what he meant. Maybe that's like
1: what the philosophy. Maybe he has like a philosophy of you know a magic eight ball something like that that he looks to, and maybe it was just kind of mixed a mixed reading a little bit, you know, you know Seton Hall Seton Hall. Or maybe maybe it was
0: just uh maybe it was like a New Jersey team New Jersey team, and maybe it was like oh that's
1: gotta be Seton Hall can't be
0: Saint Peter's it's gotta be Seton Hall
1: yeah Yeah. so maybe jace just
0: misread that there yeah don't blame him yeah, i don't blame him either no. um he, but it, it's wild to think that like if i would have looked at that bracket beforehand i would have been like dude this guy sucks he would get he doesn't know what he's talking about but then here he is he's probably gonna win with the exception of kansas winning the tournament gonna win the challenge so it just show, goes to show how how mad march is yep a madness yep yeah so yeah Update the thread here with Miami Florida has been officially eliminated. So, yeah, that's still going. Um, But, yeah,
1: that's our show. Uh, North Carolina is getting ready to tip off here. And uh, I'll be watching that diligently. But, yeah, that's our show.
0: All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. You guys have a great week.